from Ephesians chapter 3 verses 14 through 21 can be found on page 182 in the Pew Bibles. Let us pray. O Holy God, we give you thanks that you are Lord of our life. As we open your holy book, we pray, God, for open ears, for open minds, that we would listen for what it is that you have to say to us this day. We thank you, O God, for your presence here for your love, for your grace, and for your light. It is in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Listen for God's word. As the Apostle Paul writes, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth takes its name, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit, and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being grounded and rooted in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints What is the breadth and length and height and depth? And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than than all we can ask or imagine. To him be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus to all generations, forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Before I get started, I wanted to take a moment to thank Cynthia Hall and uh, George Whitley, who are going to pilot us through the rocky shoals of stewardship. Uh, They have undertaken a selfless and critically important work, and I hope that you will join me in thanking them every opportunity that you have Uh, as we move through the weeks to come. This year happens to mark uh, Blanche's and my 30th stewardship season at First Presbyterian. And in contrast to some of you, we are mere rookies. Uh, We've heard some wonderful messages from this pulpit over 30 years. In trying to identify a few common themes, two key kept uh, coming to mind. Uh, One, uh, not surprisingly, is why should we give? And secondly, what should we give? These 
and these seem the right themes. Uh, they have stood the test of time, and so I will stick with them this morning. I consider our church an investment, uh, our, our collective investment, yours and mine. Almost always when we think about an investment, it turns out to be stocks or bonds or real estate or, or lately that whole spectrum of esoteric instruments that nobody seems to understand very well. They are certainly transient in nature. They come and soon enough they go. They are in and out of fashion. They are, <clears throat> excuse me, and what financial investment doesn't involve risk? E e even home ownership, the greatest, the greatest of American dreams, proved to be a disastrous investment for millions of families in recent years. Our church, on the other hand, is a very different kind of investment. It doesn't declare dividends or pay interest. It doesn't require an understanding of yields or how maturities affect them. You can't check the church's value in the Wall Street Journal. So exactly what kind of an investment is it? I suggest that it is no worldly investment. If anything, it's an eternal and eternal investment. Think about it. First Church has existed for over 200 years. Over time, it has grown and prospered. It has been served by 12 senior pastors. It has produced generations of lay leaders and devoted congregants. It has launched new churches. It has survived wars, recessions, and the Great Depression. It has weathered divisive social, moral, and theological issues, not to mention a whole lot of denominational squabbling. Through it all, First Presbyterian has proved to be an investment for the long haul. It's a risk-free investment. If there's any risk at all, I would suggest that it lies in the possible faltering or failure of our own personal commitment to keep it strong and to keep it vital. At this particular time, Blanche's and my FPC personal commitment just happens to turn to our pledge card. We have heard all the stewardship season entreaties. Give sacrificially, give from your first fruits, not your leftovers. Tithe as scripture directs. Know that what we keep, we lose. For the two of us, all these boil down simply to being as generous as we are able. Scripture provides us with many insights about generosity. For example, there's the age-old story of the widow's might. She gave not out of her abundance, but out of her poverty. Mary's gift to Jesus of precious ointment, considered by observers to be completely foolish and totally wasteful. And then there was Dorcas, who engaged in lifelong work ministering to the poor of Joppa, through acts of kindness and generosity, and you may recall, Peter restored her life from death. 
Just as it was for thee, his generosity for us is deeply personal, it's thoughtful, it's from the heart. It has been described as an expression of thankfulness. So what exactly is generous for you or for me? If we are struggling, I believe that God can help us with the answer. We are his son's church in the world, and he has a vested interest in our getting it right. We are here today because of the generous generations that have preceded us. They have brought us to this point. And as we all know presently, we are contemplating transformational initiatives. Just as each of those generations did before us. New initiatives will certainly shape our future. They will require our time and our talent and a personal commitment of generosity. Christ Church represents an investment in the kingdom. It is a sound investment indeed. Thank you, Peter. Good morning. When Cynthia Haw called and asked me to give this talk, I was out at lunch during my normal work day. I work in security for the federal government. So naturally, it's quite a contrast when a sweet voice like hers calls from the Presbyterian Church. The first thing I thought of when Cynthia mentioned stewardship during that work day were the words force multiplier. A force multiplier is defined as something that dramatically increases the effectiveness of a group. From a security perspective, force multipliers are commonly found in morale, technology, training, experience, recruitment, strategy. Coincidentally, these are also all the resources that go into the successful operation of a church. I believe that the ultimate force multiplier for our church is our pledges. I try to stay as active in our church as possible, both through small groups and now through the strategic planning process. However, there are often times when I fall short. I don't make meetings or turn in reports due to competing priorities like work, travel, childcare, or even the commute in from where I live in the far west end. However, there is one thing that I know I can do every month to help sustain our church, even when I'm not here, and that is to send my pledge. My pledge, no matter its size, will keep, help to keep the lights on put paper in the copier, buy cookies for Sunday mornings, and hopefully contribute to our church's much larger goals. My pledge is a way that even as one person, I can make our church better every day. Remember, each person's pledge multiplies the power at work within us. Thank you, Peter and Hannah. 
We give to God. We give to God, but no one can outgive God. We know that the many blessings of our lives are God's work among us. The gift of a new day for new every morning are God's mercies. The gift of new life in Christ and the welcome into the Christian fellowship. The gift of loved ones, friends, sisters and brothers in Christ. The gift of work to do and of money enough for our needs and enough to share. It's been my privilege to be your pastor for almost 14 years and I have certainly seen God do far more than I could ever ask or imagine as Paul says in his prayer. I think of the new members who joined us last Sunday and of the new member development team that has been working over the recent years to help people who come into this fellowship quickly find their place in our ministry together. I think of the amazing pastoral care that grows out of our ministry teams and our care and concern committee and officers taking communion to shut-ins. I recently received in the mail a typed single-spaced letter and usually when I open such a letter I break out in a cold sweat because it's someone who has decided they need to make sure I know all my faults. <laughs> they want to tell me about some fault of the congregation. But this one was different. This was a page length thank you for the ministry of this congregation. The writer had been ill last summer and members of this congregation sat with the family during surgery. Members of the congregation made home visits during recovery, brought food, held them all in prayer. This was a letter saying, I cannot believe how my church family took care of me during my recent illness. God always does more than we can ask or imagine. I think of the small groups that were mentioned that meet around this congregation on a regular basis, building up the relationships that are so important to our sense of God at work among us. Some men's groups meet in the library. There's a young Women's group meeting on Saturday mornings here. Others meet at Aunt Sarah's Pancake House or at Baker's Crust. And the format's pretty much the same. They folk gather and share some of their lives and maybe talk over the scores from the game or show baby pictures around the circle or grandchildren. Then a scripture is read and from each one's perspective there is sharing and then we pray for each other before going out into the day that God gives us. God does so much more in this congregation than we can ask or imagine. I think of families this morning pouring clean, purified water for their children in Nicaragua or Haiti because of the ministry of this flock. 
I think of people reading stories to children at George Mason School or our own young people going out to glean in a field so that fresh green beans were delivered to the food bank for other people's children. I think of our choir gathering week after week to rehearse the music that lifts our hearts on Sunday morning. I think about families being welcomed into our preschool and senior citizens coming to the Shepherd Center. AA and Al-Anon groups meeting here on Thursday nights and a mental health support group meeting on Monday nights. Of women sitting in the parlor knitting prayer shawls. The list goes on and on. It's unbelievable. And it is made possible because of God at work among us. It is made possible because you give to this ministry we give. Marsha and I also sign a pledge card each year. We give 10% of our income to the ministry of Christ in this place. Our great privilege. We give as you give. And God takes this and multiplies it year by year, generation by generation. We give to God. But we do so in the utter confidence that God always does far more than we can ask or imagine. It is my great privilege to be your pastor and for us to be caught up in God's work among us through Christ our Lord. Thanks be to God.